I sit comfortably. Excuse me, my voice is a bit croaky tonight. Uh, over the weekend, I um, spent some time um, writing an article um, which had been sort of rolling around in my unconscious for a while and I wanted to put it into words. And uh, it's on um, uh, global warming and the threat of um, mass extinction, quite a heavy topic. Um, and I submitted it yesterday to um, the Sydney Morning Herald and the ABC, whether they'll uh, publish it or not, I don't know. But I wanted to um, not read it, but just speak to it tonight. And the title of it is, um, is uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. And uh, it's about, not so much about, about sustainability and, the, and the, the science of all that, because I'm not an expert on that, but it's on um, the psychology of it. And uh, a recent, as a background, uh, may, you may have um, read it in the news, there was a, um, a think tank, a research centre in Melbourne, which has um, got a very substantial basis to it in terms of the scientific experience and authority of the people behind it, um, stating that um, the way things are going, there's going to be um, a real crisis by about 2050. Um, in the world and uh, there's going to be if they keep, things keep going the way they're going it'll be like a collapse of civilization as we know it and um, these comments are also backed up and supported by a man who was um, uh, worked in the and as an executive in the high up in the fossil fuel industry used to and also an ex uh, um, admiral and head of the um, uh, armed forces. So these are quite substantial conservative people actually supporting this. Um, and it seems from what I gather from talking to people and talking to clients and so on, um, that young people talk about this quite a lot and they're much more anxious about it than, than older people, you know, because like taking myself who's 70, if I've got another 20 years left, I'll be doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. But these people have got their lives ahead of them and they, they, they're talking about it and they're quite anxious about it. And we can, um, we can just live in, you know, some of the psychological defences, just to name them around that we have. Um, denial um, can be very, very strong in human beings in the face of threat, in the face of anxiety, we can just go, it's not happening, it's all okay, just complete denial. So there's some people who deal with the anxiety of what is occurring through that and they, they can be angry about it, that's one way of taking refuge, I guess. But another way um, that's not quite as easily understood is through what psychoanalysts call a manic defence. And what a manic defence is, is to like almost um, cling to optimism and hope as a way of coping with threat, with anxiety and depression. It's like, every, it's like bright hope, everything will just turn out okay, it'll all be all right, it'll all be all right, it'll all be all right. And, um, and I sense that there are um, climate change sceptics 
who think that way, but also some climate change believers who just think we're going to find our way through this and there's going to be a solution, because we've done it before in the past with plagues and and uh, famines and so on. So human beings are clever and we'll, we'll just find a way through. But I would... Um, if you if you look at the history of the Earth, there's been five mass extinctions in the whole history of the Earth over millions and millions of years, and 99% of species have died off, and other forms of life replace them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's been sudden um, mass uh, extinctions of species, which we then call mass extinctions. So there's been five of them. They do happen. And the last one from memory was about 160 million years ago when the dinosaurs died off. And it was through the dinosaurs dying off that mammals like us had a chance to thrive. So we're here because of that mass extinction. Mm-hmm. And life just takes on other forms. And um, so you could liken the world, the way the world is at the moment, you know, to like a a patient who's just been um, diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, let's say that this person has been um, smoking all their life. And the doctors say to this person, look, there is a treatment we could give you. We can't guarantee that it'll work. Maybe there's a 50-50 chance it'll work. We don't know for sure. Um, but we would suggest you, you give up smoking because if you don't give up smoking, you've probably got less than 1% chance you know, of surviving. And so, metaphorically, the world's kind of like been puffing away on fossil fuels for a long time. And uh, it seems like what all the climate scientists are saying to us, if we don't stop smoking, metaphorically, um, the chances of survival aren't very good. Mm-hmm. And what I'd also like to say, to use that medical model, is that even if we um, take the treatment, you know, even if we change over to renewable energies and stop burning fossil fuels, there's no guarantee that we will continue forever. And I think that human beings, as human beings as a race, we have this human-centric view of the world that we're going to be around forever. But 99% of species have passed away in new life forms. But it's more likely that some other life forms are going to continue after we're not here. You know, they will adapt. And we know already that there are, um, that there's mass extinction of wildlife happening already. We know that from the bushfires, but not just the bushfires. It's happening before our eyes. But we we may, uh, it may break our hearts to see wildlife dying the way they are, you know, a kangaroo licking its burnt paws, you know. Um, but somehow I, I don't think it's gone through our defences that we could go that way as well. So as John Donne, the um, English poet, said, um, do not ask for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Mm-hmm. When you hear the bell tolling at the church for a funeral, it's tolling for you because we're all going to die one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> when 
it's part of Zen practice, it's part of Buddhist practice to contemplate death. It's a very central part of it. And sometimes when we do session, I take people through a, a script which comes from Tibetan Buddhism where people are lying down on the floor as though they're dying and we go through a detailed script of what it's like to die. Mm-hmm. And then after that we go through another script of what's going to happen to your body after you die. When you do that and you face that, it's a very, very central age-old Buddhist practice to contemplate death. And so um, death is actually nothing new to us whatsoever. Um, the, the idea of mass extinction of human beings is new um, and uh, it's a concern. Um, but there have been times in the history of not that recent past where famines went through Europe and decimated like two-thirds of the population. Ireland, um, potato famine, do you know, thousands of people died. <coughs> it's, not un- it's not out of the possibility that something like that kind of crisis could happen. Only what's different about it is it's on a, on a global uh, level, not just a local level. Um, but when I've spoken to people who work professionally in palliative care, they tell me that most people have a peaceful death and it's, and it's unusual for people to die being frightened of dying. It does happen. And um, of course not everyone dies in palliative care. Some people just have sudden deaths from um, a stroke or a heart attack or whatever. Some people have violent deaths. They're the ones you hear about. But the vast majority of people die in a relatively peaceful kind of way. And better still, um, it's well documented that some people have what we might refer to as spiritual transformations when they know that they're about to die. And uh, they describe how they very easily acknowledge all the mistakes in their life and they forgive themselves and their heart opens and they they love their friends and their enemies and they they become one with the transience of existence and they uh, they have an experience of what Thich Nhat Hanh called interbeing, a sense of connectedness with everything. So those kind of experiences can open up when we're, when we're near death. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've known some people um, personally, uh, mainly through counselling, um, who had who died and had uh, life-ending illnesses. And before they died, they said, I'm, I'm quite okay if I live today and I'm quite okay if I die tomorrow. You know, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I'll just take what comes. I'm okay. I'm sort of really at peace with it. And we can only um, aspire, you know, to such maturity around death as what those people demonstrate to us. So I'm talking about all this because I think it's better to um, have a mature adult conversation about anxiety rather than trying to hide it. And um, even in talking to, to children about it, 
because it's mainly a younger generation who talk to themselves about it and they're quite anxious. I mean, I don't think it's necessary to talk to talk to very young children who don't even understand it, but children who are old enough to read and talk about it with their friends and they want to ask questions about it or they want to discuss their fears and so on, then how, how do you respond to that? If we take the medical analogy again, <coughs> if, say, a, a parent has got a serious illness that they could die from and, and mum said, well, daddy's very sick but the doctors are going to make him better and he's going to be home soon, that's very different from saying daddy's very seriously ill and the doctors are doing everything they can to help him. We don't know whether he's going to pull through and live, but we hope that he does. That's a very different message. And what I find from years of um, clinical experience working as a psychologist, it's better if you're working with children to um, invite anxiety out into the open and engage with it empathically mm. than what it is to, to be dismissive of it or just give sweet syrupy words that make it seem okay. Because what you find in children is that um, they pick up the positive message that's given and they also pick up the exaggerated emotion behind it and they experience some kind of incongruence in their minds like Mm, not quite sure about this, but I don't know what to make of it because they're saying it's okay, but it rings hollow in some way and it confuses them. And I found from my own experience that when you address these things with younger people in a way, if you speak the truth um, calmly and gently, it's more likely to calm them, um, from my experience. So, death is not something new and we're all going to die and it's part of our practice if we contemplate death um, that we, it actually brings out, it's not a gloomy thing, it actually brings our life alive um, to recognise that we're not going to be here forever and then we really recognise the um, the preciousness of what it is to be alive. So whether just me is going to die and you're going to die or there's going to be a mass extinction of human beings, we're all going to die sometime. Mm-hmm. And the more that we address that, the more we can bring um, wisdom and compassion into our life now. Who knows what will happen in the future? Maybe it might descend into um, into chaos and anarchy and dog-eat-dog like in those those movies, Mad Max and The Road, maybe. Um, the other way it may possibly go for some people is that um, if we realise that there's going to be some mass change that's going to occur, that it could potentially go the other way as well. Um, and that we, uh, we realise our days are numbered, you know, and as a as the years go by and the weeks go by and the moments go by and the days go by, that we can um, reflect on um, what a remarkable miracle it was to be part of the human race Mm -hmm. and to have experienced 
having people created and experience music, art, you know, philosophy, humour, that was all part of it was to be human. And we may be able to celebrate that. It doesn't necessarily have to go down the path of the lowest common denominator, although it might. Mm-hmm. But my final words, to repeat myself, is that um, death is not something new, you know, um, and it's a Buddhist teaching to be reminded of that so that our lives are enriched. What the future holds, we don't know, um, but we can, it's, uh, we can take refuge in denial or we can take refuge in um, a manic defence or we can gently look into the reality of what is.